Let's start with living and working. Okay. It beats the hell out of dying and not having a job. (laughs) (laughs) Howdy. You're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. And today we are with the founder and namesake of one of the most influential gaming companies in the world. From GURPS to Car Wars to Munchkin to Illuminati, this week we have a very special conversation with the founder of Austin's own Steve Jackson Games, Mr. Steve Jackson. Hello, folks. Well, welcome, Steve. Thank you for coming on the show. But before we start today, who's your favorite Texas historical figure you'd like to have as an NPC in your adventuring party? I can think of a couple of possibilities. I assume this is a friendly NPC. Uh, Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, David Crockett. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. I was going to pick somebody a little more modern, Uh, maybe Dr. Michael DeBakey, because he he was a great heart surgeon, and you can always use a healer in your party. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. As long as they don't shoot you in the knee or something like that. Exactly. (laughs) If I had to pick, um, I think I would go with uh, Mr. Sam Houston himself, Hmm. um, because uh, I'd want him to tell the party what to do. And uh, it would be the most prudent course of action because uh, <laughs> Sam was right more often than not. That's true. Well, I'm going to go with Cabeza de Vaca because anyone that can walk around Texas for 10 years without any clothes on, uh, he's he's got to have unlimited endurance. So uh, I'm going to go with him. Okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, for our listeners who might not be familiar with the world of gaming, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your connection to Texas? Well, my, my start uh, start with the last part. I was not born in Texas. I got here as soon as I could. Uh, I actually uh, came to Texas a few days before I started high school. My father worked for Exxon, and when Exxon moved its headquarters from Tulsa to Houston, a lot of us came along. And then I stayed in Houston, went to school at Rice, thought that I might want to be an attorney, came up to Austin to uh, study at the School of Law, discovered game design, and uh, that became a passion. And, and that's what I do. I make games, not computer games, but tabletop games. Uh, if you're not into games, the ones that you might have heard of anyway are Munchkin and Car Wars. Those who are into games have probably heard of GURPS and Ogre and Fantasy Trip and Illuminati. And I've been doing this since 76. Well, I will tell you, Steve, that we are old enough, and I, I can speak to my own personal uh that I'm old enough that uh, GURPS uh, was was in Car Wars were fairly new and uh, fairly well got me through uh, junior high unscathed. So, <laughs> so um, always good not to be scathed. Yeah. <laughs> so so tell us about so Steve you you went from law school into the world of games and game design. I understand that you you started with uh, some uh, at least one different company, but then eventually wound up founding your own company. So what what did that transition look like 
uh, into founding your own company? And then what drew you into founding the company in Austin? What, what, what made you choose Austin to start your company? Well, that was easy. That was where I was. Okay. <laughs> it, it was a first, at first a, a one man company and, uh, grew by accretion, but I started and, you know, running it out of a spare bedroom and on, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, people who talk about starting on shoestrings, they had a shoestring. <laughs> <laughs> there were, there were no shoestrings shoe available here. No, it, it, it started small and it's still small, but it's persistent. So you started with another company. Was that also like a like a home company, or a, was that more of a? Did they have like a location where where they were you were you actually working in the office for? Um, I'm sorry, they, I had my notes and I lost. They have an office. Uh, I was not working there. Uh, I came in and chatted and delivered manuscripts because this was pre-internet and uh, and left again but it was also an Austin born company uh, I I think when metagaming got started it was uh, probably in Howard's back bedroom too okay so metagaming was also an Austin company yes okay with both of your your companies there in Austin, um, was there a like an active game uh, design community in Austin, or were you kind of the the beginning we of that whole thing? You were it, okay. Now that has changed a lot over the years, but metagaming was really where it started. Was there a gaming community of of players that? that you could rely on locally or was it just sort of the, the few folks who were, who were engaged in and involved in it kind of congregated together? Uh, the latter. I mean, this was really back in the dark ages. Dungeons and Dragons had been around for a little while. Traveler was brand new. This was in the early days of everything. There weren't many people doing it. There was a game club at the university and mm -hmm. I participated there. Well, now I wonder, Steve, just having been there in the early days and today, you've been uh, a foundation of the part of, I'm going to make the air quotes, geek culture for decades, as have the three of us. But uh, how do you feel, and have you been surprised at how mainstream and accepted games are coming, seeing uh, Munchkin on the shelves of your local Target, or seeing, you know, is it, is it, what is your feelings around seeing how, how it's transformed? Oh, there's still some amazement. There's still some cognitive dissonance. Uh, when I was starting my company, I couldn't get a bank to talk to me. Gaming? <laughs> what is gaming? Right. And now, of course, they fight for game companies' business. But uh, I don't happen to need a loan anymore, so yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to be. So what influence, so you live, you live and work in Austin. And so this is kind of a two-part question. What are your favorite things about living and working in Austin? And then what influence has Austin specifically and Texas in general had on the games that have been produced by Steve Jackson games? Wow. Okay. Well, let's start with living and working. Okay. It beats the hell out of dying and not having a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like the people. I like 
the, the country, the landscape. I'm not crazy about the government, uh, except maybe for Lady Bird Johnson, and bless her heart, she gave us wildflowers by the roads. So uh, that makes up for an awful lot. Um, I will admit that I don't have a lot to compare it to. I've never lived any place except uh, the country in Oklahoma and uh, then, then in Texas. But I like it here. Does something about Texas uh, specifically influence your games or any in any way that that the culture of Texas? Hmm. Okay, when you were halfway through that sentence, I was I was finishing it and I was thinking not a lot, but that's not true. Uh, I think just breathing the Texas air must have some effects. Um, example, uh, we did a set of, uh, of special dice not too long ago. They were shaped like bullets, and creatively named bullet dice. And we thought, that's cool. But we got mail from California going, how could you? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, different worlds. You and, know, uh, thinking back on Car Wars, Steve, you know, there was the you know, the free oil states that was uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. I Did you draw, there, or was there some of that drawn from your, your, your family's background with the oil industry, or was it just sort of the... The idea, the culture of the of the this area at the time when, when the game was it was designed. more a cultural thing and a little, you know, literary expression of of uh, libertarianism, which is a philosophy that's gotten a bad name these days. But uh, you know, I'm I'm still a libertarian with a small L. Well, Some good. of the libertarians with a large L. <laughs> 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 I'd be remiss if we didn't highlight for our listeners just how vast the catalog of work you have created is, especially when you look at the GURPS universe. Um, has it been difficult, or was there difficulty in getting access to so many different licenses across this universe you've created of gaming space? Uh, oh, yes. There, there are things that, uh, that I would have liked to do where it was just never possible to get permission. But over the years, you know, there's been a lot, and some of it, some of it we initiated, and uh, some of it, you know, we were contacted, and you know, how would you like to do a game about thus and so in GURPS or these days Munchkin? We're doing a lot of Munchkin licenses, and yeah. it's the same thing. We can't do everything we'd like to do, but there's a lot out there. I just saw, uh, I hadn't seen this before, but I saw the Munchkin Warhammer 40K uh, yes. edition, <laughs> which was yeah. like, that's a clash of, <laughs> that's a, certainly a clash of of, uh, of nerd portfolio there. Uh, well, it has been wonderful how willing the Games Workshop people are to have us make a little fun. It's great. Well, so talk about that, Steve. Talk about the role that humor has as a characteristic in the games in your portfolio, because there's a lot of humor. I mean, I my personal favorite is in tune, uh, the unlimited placards. Like that rule just always just made me laugh. Uh, just the concept that the character could have 
unlimited placards like Wiley e. Coyote uh, did in, in the uh, in the cartoons. But you know, Munchkin is is such a such a humorous tongue in cheek game in in a lot of ways. Car Wars has elements. Lord of the Fries, you know, all of these Ninja Burger. What's the what's the role of humor in games that you you, you see for your your portfolio? Wow, it's hard to get any deeper than I really, really love to make people laugh. I, I don't know if there's any deeper meaning there than that I'm a silly person. <laughs> but it's I, I I could try to wax philosophical about people's need for release and so on. Mm-hmm. But the fact is I'm a silly person. Yeah, well, I, well, and I think, you know, in most cases, the objective of games is to help people have fun. And one of the easiest ways to uh, get people into having fun is to make them laugh. So it, it, to me, it stands to reason that, uh, that humor is going to be a big component of that. It's the one that comes natural to me. It, it certainly helps people not take things so seriously. You would you would think that you would think that, but I hear stories about people nearly coming to blows over Munchkin, and I go, guys, you're not doing it right. I right. pro- probably don't want to get started on some of the the Illuminati conversations. <laughs> so. One question I wanted to ask as a as a spinoff of that is, you know, you mentioned the stories that you've heard. Can you share, you know, and you don't have to go too crazy, but can you share one of the more crazy stories that you've heard? about the games that have been played, especially games, well, like the Assassin game, where it's, you know, some of the games can become live action. What's some of the crazier stories you've heard from players of the games? Or even just one really good one, if you have one. Hmm, okay. Oh, I should point out, by the way, that we do not recommend playing Killer yeah. Public place any longer. Times no. have changed. The times are very different. This is not the world that uh, that game was written for. Oh, I'll I'll tell you a story about a killer game. You know, and, and I am I am the butt of this joke. This was uh, being played on a golf course adjacent to a university campus. We were using water weapons. We had. Uh, we had lots of space, and it was private property. The golf course was was closed, and uh, lots lots of fun was being had chasing each other around with water guns. So some people surprised me, and in trying to get out of the way, I took a step back, and whoa, 12 feet straight down into a creek bed. Oh. That's... Uh, not an advertisement for the safety of killer, but then I started by saying don't play that anymore. <laughs> Fortunately, no damage done. You know, didn't even get wet, but uh, it, it was very funny afterwards. There was there was a wily e. coyote moment in midair, and the the people who were after me, you know, swore that I that I didn't fall until I had looked down, but. <laughs> that's not the way I remember it. <laughs> well, I think that today people don't have quite the humor about Killer that they, they may have uh, several years ago. I remember going to Love Field in the early 90s when we were in college, uh, and our friend Jared drove me to the airport for uh, to catch a flight to see my grandmother. Uh, and it was, was Love Field was still pretty much dead. 
And uh, he was, we were joking like, well, we could totally come here and play killer. Uh, and it would be like Shadowrun or something like that. And I don't think that'd fly today <laughs> at all. So to speak, no. <laughs> One of several things that will not fly out of love field. I want to shift gears for a second. I know one of your passions is is Legos. Specifically, uh, we've been told it's pirate-themed Lego sets and Lego trains. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the Texas Brick Lego and what you do through the uh, Texas Lego user group? Sure. Um, The the Texas uh, Lego users group is a bunch of Lego nuts like me. It used to be a single organization, and uh, as it got bigger and there were more people in each city, it split up. So now there are several geographical Lego groups and the one special interest group, the Texas Brick Railroad, which is a small club of train nuts, and we happen to work in Lego. We don't have a permanent train layout of our own. There's no place to put it. So we meet at train shows and museum exhibits and uh, everybody sets up what they brought. And it's different every time because different people come and even if it's the same people, we're always going, hey, you know, what happens if we do it this way? Uh, One of our members is Tony Sava out of Houston and he is finishing up an original train build that is just completely amazing. It's the Texas Eagle, and when the last two cars are done, it will be 18 feet long on the track. That's incredible. And we will be setting up at the Taylor train show uh, north of Austin this weekend. So if this reaches any train nuts in time for that, come out and see us. Yeah, and make sure you go get some Louis Mueller bar- barbecue when you're there in Taylor. What was the name again? Louis Mueller. It is, Louis uh, Mueller. yes, it is one of the oldest barbecue places in Texas. It's fantastic. My my no. parents live in my parents live in Salado near, which is not far. So note made. Yes, it is. Um, so so Steve, are you so you're a Lego nut and a Lego railroad nut? Are you an actual railroad nut as well? I am on on a scale of one to ten. I'm some kind of big number on being a railroad nut. It just breaks my heart that there is so little real railroad around to be nuts about anymore. So have you gotten to ride um, my my family and I recently rode on the the train that from Cedar Park to Burnet, uh, and we we took that trip recently and it was a lot of fun. As long as I've lived in Austin, I have never ridden on the the steam train or even the diesel. I have been a member of the group for years and years and years. I happily pay my dues to support it. But the problem is simple. Uh, I am a night person, and they take off early in the morning. (laughs) The only way I'm ever going to get to ride the steam train is if I stay in a hotel out there in Cedar Park the night before. Ah, okay. My my heart doesn't start beating until 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then that's a shame. Well, one of these days I'll just have to bite the bullet and then invest in a hotel room and do it. It's not really that big a deal. It's just I've never done it. <laughs> and that's frustrating. But I think I'll wait until the steam engine is fixed now. They're almost there. Well, I just uh, 
just side note, I just drove through Rusk the other day because I'm actually out here in East Texas now and uh, went right past the big Texas railroad. So have some friends who've ridden it. We haven't gone out and taken the kids to ride it yet. I have taken the, the train between Rusk and Palestine a few times. And uh, yeah, that's fun. It's going to say the... Oh, uh... had dinner on the observation car, the whole nine yards. And that's just... Uh, it's just heaven. Yeah, that sounds nice. Right I uh, than riding on a plane. Yeah, I think my uh, most memorable train ride in Texas is still the uh, the train around Zilker Park. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've been on that one. Well, I will say that you know uh, Sean mentioned one barbecue place, but uh, we we'll, we've done several episodes talking about Texas food and ideal places to go. You're in Austinite. You're local. Uh, is there a go-to place, something out of the way that uh, people might not know in Austin? Hmm. Well, I actually live in uh, Buda these days, mm. so so my my main go-tos anymore are a little on the south and west side. Uh, depends on what you want. The Salt Lick is just around a couple of corners, but that's that's hardly unknown. Still good. Uh, to, it lives up to its reputation on weekdays. On weekends, they get too busy. Don't go on a weekend. Um, not Texas food, but wonderful. And in this area is Lucina's, uh, Lucina's Trattoria. Uh, oh, we went, there, went there last night. Uh, I had the duck. It was just incredible. And for Tex-Mex out here, the Texican is the place to go. Nice. Hmm. Have you uh, have you been able to go to Jack Allen's? No, never oh. been to Jack Allen's. You should you should go. You should stay up and go uh, for a late dinner, which would which would be a brunch on Sunday morning. Uh, they have a Sunday brunch of all local sourced uh, different foods, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. We're not a we're not a food okay. podcast, but we do dabble. <clears throat> no. <laughs> no, we dabble in it. <laughs> but my well, parents love my parents love to go to the one in, in Round Rock, and my dad will actually pay the the fifteen or sixteen dollars for the buffet for the for the brunch because he's it's his favorite place to eat. So, and he doesn't normally pay that for food. <laughs> well, my opinion, uh, not worldly though it may be, is that if you're not something of a foodie in Texas, you're not paying attention. No, no. <laughs> so we've studied history for a while here in Texas. We've talked about a lot of interesting individuals through the years. And we wonder, is there room in the world for a truly Texas card game or role-playing game? Do people want to relive the, uh, the excitement of the early pioneer days of Texas or the Alamo or a game called Santa Ana where, you know... <laughs> You, you're given a lot of resources, and then you sort of waste them, and then you end up losing in the end. <laughs> okay, you know, kind of a, a reverse RPG <laughs> development. Where you start at level 10, and then how quickly can you get down to level 1? Or the Texas, or a Texas Rangers game, or... A... Something like that. Well, you know, there actually was a Dallas game. They they made a game about the TV show. Really? 
Yeah, it wasn't all that great, but just the fact that it was done at all was remarkable. Was it a like a board game or a? a... Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow! They had Dallas. It on the cover with that, that big that old something. grin. Wow! Oh, yep. There it is on Board Game Geek. Well, one of the very first RPGs was Boot Hill, and that was a a romanticized Old West. Shotgun was the super weapon in that I'll one. be. Huh. Wow. There yeah. you go. I remember seeing that on the shelves next to the uh, red box D&D that I was looking for as a child. That's, that's about yeah, the vintage. We are vintage. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. but uh you know what i mean a a truly texas game is an interesting thought we did a cowboy version of munchkin the good the bad and the munchkin and i've wondered from time to time if we shouldn't think about reissuing that and kind of focusing specifically on texas History and lies, you know, if that would make a more focused game. Or... Oh, yes. Well, I, I yes, will yes, say. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's so many great characters. I mean, you've got your, your Davy Crockett, you've got your Jim Bowie, and, and then we discovered a character that is basically the Z Lig or the Forrest Gump of Texas history, a gentleman named Creed Taylor, who was from the Gonzales area, who he, just managed he's everywhere to pop except up the everywhere. Alamo. Uh, ex- <laughs> yeah, he left. <laughs> anyway, he he left the Alamo right before, uh, and uh, he just managed he, because his mm-hmm. his diaries and his letters have shown up. He just every, all these stories we find he and, pops and I'll, up. I'll cap that too and say that he uh, went on to have two sons who became notorious outlaws, notorious outlaws in the South <laughs> yeah. in during uh, the Reconstruction era as well. So it's a very uh, well. I did that. The Alamo is a great gift shop. Then I think a a Texas theme Munchkin would look great on the shelf in there. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea how you get into when gift shops. We, we have so. the at official Alamo. We'll have to but ask. It might them. be worth how do we get your gift shop. Steve's ready, or the Bullock Museum, or the Bullock Museum, the Bullock Museum. Yeah, heck, I'll buy it's it on Amazon. Awesome. I'm ready to buy it today. Me too. <laughs> we are. Well, one of the. One of the historical figures that I'd love to put into something was Decimus at Ultimus Barziza, just because of the name. <laughs> Have you heard of him? Does that ring a bell? No. Mm-hmm. He, he was a politician, uh, but his name, of course, means tenth and last. Uh, apparently, there were nine brothers before him, and, uh, and somebody decided that's enough. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Well, uh, I guess just to wrap it up, Steve didn't ask, is there anything you've got exciting coming up in the near future? Uh, we'll mention the train show, but uh, are there any new games or things that are coming out or where people can go to see what uh, what you're working on? Well, look us up on Kickstarter. Uh, we're almost always doing something on Kickstarter. That's a really, really nice platform for the established company as well as, as the beginner. We've got a role-playing project on Kickstarter right now called Decks of Destiny. And that's that's a role-playing tool that's designed for my fantasy trip engine, but it would be it would be useful for any fantasy game. 
and you stole my thunder on the Warhammer 40K because that's, uh, I hope that's going to be a big deal. It's definitely crossing the streams. I, I don't know what business those two flavors have being together, but they go pretty <laughs> well together. It just looks fun. It just yeah. looks fun. Well, it is fun. You know, I was involved in the test. I'm, I'm, I still get to play Munchkin more than any other game just because there's so much playtesting to do. And I liked it. Very cool. Yeah. What else is worth talking about? Oh, yeah. This, this is absolutely appropriate for, for this, except it may not happen. We're fooling around with a dice game, and the the working title is Texas Roll'em. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That would be a good one for your gift shops, just because the packaging proposal is a Texas flag. But red, white, and blue dice, how can you go wrong? Absolutely. Uh, sign I'm me in. up for a copy. <laughs> I'm in. Well, uh, now... Now, Steve, do do we also have a new? Uh, did I hear that there's a new edition of Car Wars coming? Uh, yes, uh, it's still a ways out. It's going to be a 2020 before it's in anybody's hands except at conventions. Okay. But late in 2019, we expect to do the Kickstarter. Then in 2020, we'll ship the game. Finally, this is going to be. Uh, some significant rule changes, but the game plays about the same. That's one reason it took us so long. We wanted to make it faster. If you remember Car Wars from <laughs> junior high days, uh, yeah, you are there all evening, and then you figure out you've done seven <laughs> seconds of real time. Now, as long as you're having fun, that's okay, but we want it possible to finish in a couple of hours. So many changes were made, but the people we have tested it on say that we haven't broken the game. So look for it in 2020. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll get to relive our junior high days. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, dual front machine guns. You're still... uh, That's awesome. That is so great. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this time tonight, Steve. Uh, it has been an exceptional treat to talk to you. You are a Texas treasure and a Texan through and through, regardless of your Oklahoma roots. Uh, and uh, feel free to feel free to let us know when you've had anything exciting, and we'll pass it on to our listeners. But uh, this has been a delight. Oh, my. Don't you talk, great. Okay. Um, seriously, thank you for the interview. This was fun. That wraps things up for today. Big thank you to James Abendroth for helping set up this call with Steve Jackson. If you'd like to learn more about James's work, please visit BlackguardPress.com or follow him on the socials at Blackguard Press. And if you'd like to learn more about Steve Jackson, please visit SJGames.com. You can find notes and links from today's show at Brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to Brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, if you love Texas, and heck, maybe you like playing a fun game with friends once in a while, get yourself over to iTunes and leave a review, because it helps us out to find listeners just like you. 
And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway. <laughs> <laughs>